Uh, It's so good to see each and every one of you here. Our scripture reading today is out of the book of Mark, chapter 5. If you had your Bibles open to Isaiah, there's been a change from the bulletin. So, Mark, chapter 5. Again, we are in the book of Mark, chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 1 to 17. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the uh, Gerasenes when Jesus climbed out of the boat. A man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the brutal caves and could, not, and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the, uh, the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. And there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled, the nearby ta- fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside and spread the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened, and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Let's pray together. Lord, again we come to you and we are so thankful for uh, what you have accomplished through us this weekend, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all the hands that came out to help, and we thank you for all of those who walked through these doors to hear the Christmas message. Lord, we ask that you would have used us greatly for your glory this weekend. Lord, that uh, in the minds of those who have come and seen, that you would start to work. And Lord, you would start to stir hearts. Lord, we ask that as we go forward in, in this service alone, that you would stir our, even our own hearts as we come and, and hear from your word. Lord, we, we thank you for our children who came and shared with us this morning. We thank you for our pianists, and we thank you for uh, those who, who lead our music, Lord, where we can glorify you and worship your name. And Lord, we ask that as we sit and as we hear from your word, that every distraction would be taken from us so that we may focus on what you would have for us to hear. Lord, please bless the rest of this day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. An individual asked my wife last night, how much pull do you have over your husband? 
And my wife said, why? Why are you asking that? She said, well, why don't we just tomorrow, meaning today, just sing a couple songs, have a praise thing, and then we can start cleaning up. My wife said, I don't have that much pull. Uh, this morning, we want to uh, take a look at, are we, are we up there, dear? Can we? Okay, we're there, but we're not here. Okay, good. That's fine. We can do this. He shall be called. The names of our Messiah. I, I want to reread for you Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For a child it will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Eternal Father. Everlasting Father. And Prince of Peace. This morning we want to deal with the second title of our Savior's name, Mighty God. And, and this comes at a throw when the nation of Israel is in a problem. They're in a situation whereby so many things have hit them and they're kind of wondering what even is there for them as a nation. Isaiah's audience had experienced tragedy and destruction at the hands of opposing forces. And Isaiah used words to show them that God will take care of them because of the Messiah, the King. Warren Wiersbe made an interesting statement concerning this verse. For he said, Isaiah 9.6 declares both the humanity, a child is born, and the deity, a son is given, of our Lord Jesus Christ. The prophet then leaps ahead to the kingdom age when Messiah will reign in righteousness and justice from God's throne, from David's throne, excuse me. In 2 Samuel 7.15, God promised David that his justice and his throne will remain. And it was fulfilled literally as you go to Luke chapter 1, 31 and 32, because there, as the angel Gabriel is speaking to Mary, he reiterates the promise when he said, for Jesus, this one you're going to be born will rule. He will reign on David, his father's throne. He will be there. And this morning we want to take this second term, the second word, mighty God. And this name tells us important things, in fact, some very important things about Jesus Christ and who is the Messiah. First, it mentions the fact that he was and is God, fully God. And with that, 
Because Jesus Christ is God, all of his wisdom and power and might is God. Because Jesus Christ is God in all of his infinite goodness and grace and mercy. Jesus Christ is God, which he who is neither beginning or end of days, he always existed from eternity past, and who will exist in eternity future. Jesus Christ, who is the God who created the universe with all its billions of galaxies, each containing billions of stars, and who even now sustains all of creation by His power. In other words, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, He is that mighty God. The fact that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh is something that we as Christians are familiar with. But you have to understand that at the time, the Jews did not understand it. Not only writing in of this time, but also during the time of when Jesus was alive. In fact, there was a time in Scripture when Jesus Christ did proclaim that He is God. And the leaders of the church at that time wanted to have Him killed. Turn to John chapter 10. Let's see the instance in which Jesus Himself proclaims that He is God. And because of it, they wanted to kill Him. Kill him for the sin of blasphemy. John chapter 10, verses 30 to 33. And Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? We aren't stoning you for any good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. How in the world did that even come about? Well, go back to verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. They wanted to stone him for blasphemy. And so when we come to this particular truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, he is the Son of God. He is God Himself in the flesh. We come to realize that after I get my notes, I'll be able to finish. Maybe we should have only had two songs of praise and go clean. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. And so this, this morning, the key understanding of the divinity of Jesus Christ is that He has all the power of God. 
He has all the strength of God. He has all the knowledge of God. He has all of the attributes of God. And while some have attempted to debate this particular passage, especially in medieval times when Jewish theologians felt that this was a description of Hezekiah, and yet we're told and that throughout history, as one, in, one theologian writes, he says, this view flies in the face of the chronology of Hezekiah's birth. And even more seriously, it is evident from the language that no merely human king is being spoken of. This is clearly the figure, the one known as the Messiah. So seeing that Jesus Christ is mighty God, let's look at a few biblical passages, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that describe him as this mighty God. The first one, Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. It says, Ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth, and by your great power, outstretched arm, Nothing is too difficult for you. You want to cross-reference in the New Testament for that? John chapter 1, where it says, For by him all things were made, for without him was not anything made that was made. Speaking of Jesus. The second one, Daniel 4, verse 35. All the people of earth are regarded as nothing, he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold him back. No one can hold his hand back or say to him, what have you done? New Testament. Matthew 28, 18. All authority has been given unto me, both in heaven and in earth. Ephesians 1, 20-21. God raised Him, Jesus, from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but in also in the one that is to come. Philippians 3, 20-21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Colossians 1, 15-17. He... Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. And lastly, Colossians 2, 9-10. to 10, 
For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. He shall be called Mighty God. His power is absolute and comprehensive. It includes everything from global weather systems to political movements in the world to the growth and decline of cultures all the way down to my relationships with my wife and children. All power. That brings us to this. For what is the reason of understanding mighty God if we do nothing with it? It's just a nice name. But yet, at the same time, it is this. Jesus will lead us as the mighty God He is. Our confidence in Him to preserve us now and forever is critical. And this is where I'd like to spend the rest of our morning focusing on His power and what it can do if we allow it. I want to focus on the power of Christ in our lives that is available to us. And that the power which brought the world into existence and which now upholds and sustains it, the power that raises up kings and presidents and brings them down again, the power that conquered death and brought Jesus Christ up from the dead, that same unlimited power is available to us to work in and through our lives through the Holy Spirit. Listen to these verses. This is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.17 I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What are we talking about? The power to accomplish real Lasting change in our lives to make us more like Christ and to give us the abundant life He promised. You see, it's this kind of power that we're speaking of this morning, seeing that Jesus Christ is our mighty God. It's a kind of power whereby to love properly. The kind of power to uh, forgive. The kind of power that we can have to trust. Power over fear and addiction and anger and worry and lust and depression and guilt. It is a power 
that has been initiated to us because of our mighty God. It's time for change. The passage that Pastor Steve read for you was not unfamiliar. It's a passage of what Jesus did when no one else could. He went to a land and he saw an individual that no one could tame. You know the account. We call it the wild man of Gadara. He lived in caves. He lived in amongst the dead. The townspeople tried to chain him, to control him, but they could not because he would break them. And when Jesus showed up on shore, that wild man of Gadara did not run away from him, he ran to him. Isn't that amazing? An individual that is controlled by a legion of demonic forces runs to Jesus. And he has an interesting statement. Though it's not the man who is speaking, it's the legion. He says, what are you going to do with us now? And then he phrases, you holy one of God. (laughs) But the thing that I could not get to figure out, and maybe some of you can help me this morning, is this. After Jesus took care of that situation, set that man free, the townspeople had a reaction. They never asked Jesus to do anything else. You would have at least maybe thought that they would have said, can you just stick around a little bit longer? We'd like to know more about you. We would really love for you maybe to come in our town here and and heal more of our people. No, they didn't say that. They said to Jesus, get out. Don't stay here. We don't want you here. I couldn't quite figure that out until this week. Why would they say such a thing? when Jesus did such a miraculous setting a man free, that when they came out, they saw this man clothed. Have you ever asked yourself, where did he get the clothes? Oh, that's easy. Jesus said, let there be. The one who can create the universe of billions of stars What's close to him? Let there be. I'd love for Jesus to show up at Hollywood, huh? And just say, let there be close. (laughs) But anyway, let there be. And then the man is sitting in peace that he never knew before. And this town wants Jesus to leave. Get out. Now, how do we tie that together in our own lives? Well, I had to struggle with this because as I was studying this, I found myself in this perplexity, this drudgery, if I could say that. You see, I have no problem in asking Jesus to take care, help me with pride. 
help me to be able to love people more. And Jesus may very well come to me, as he did, and come to you, and he says, well, those are all good things, but I've got something else that's more important. How about your judgmental spirit? Oh. No, you, you, you can't touch that. God. See, I really like looking down on people. I enjoy that. I really love to be able to view myself as being better than them. You can't have that. Jesus, now you must leave. Now do you get the correlation of Mark? It wasn't the fact that what Jesus did scared them. They were afraid of what Jesus may very well want to do with them. You see. When we come into that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we literally are inviting Him to do that which we need to have done the most. But the issue is, will we let Him? Will we let Him? I found this interesting story, and and it interests me, and and I trust it will you. In C.S. Lewis's uh, books, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, there's one of the books that's called The Silver Chair. And in that book, there's a character by the name of Jill, a girl. Listen as I read to you an account. Jill is very thirsty as she walks through the opening in the forest. And not far away, she sees a stream of cool, clear water. But instead of rushing towards to drink, she hesitates in fear because lying there on the ground next to the stream is a huge lion, Aslan, Christ's figure. And as she ponders what to do, Aslan speaks. Are you not thirsty? Said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away for a while while I do? The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. As Jill gazed at this motionless hulk, she realized that she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her countenance. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to... Do anything to me if I come, Jill said. I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had come a step further. Do you eat girls, she said. I've swallowed up girls and boys, 
women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. He didn't say this as if he was boasting, nor as if he were sorry, nor as if it were angry. He just said it. I daren't not come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill. Coming another step nearer, I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. Jesus Christ is the way the truth, and the life. There's no other stream. There is no other way. There is no other power on this earth that can change me or you other than the mighty God that He is. For He has the power. The question is this. What about you? Are you more like those people in Gadara who would rather have Jesus go away instead of doing greater things? Are you satisfied with yourself? Or are there things that you've been keeping from the mighty King, the mighty God, who so wants to set you free. There is no other stream. There is no other power than our mighty God. Do you know Him? Are you willing, maybe not here, but throughout this week, are you willing to say to Jesus, whatever, whatever you need to do, I give you permission. Because when you come into that relationship with Jesus Christ, this is one thing you will find out. He'll never ask your permission to do anything but you can stop him from everything. He wants the best for you. He is the mighty God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Will you let him? Or will you be like the city of Gadara? That's only you can answer. I trust you'll let him set you free. Can we pray? Father, it's difficult. It's not fair. It hurts. I like the way I am. All of those reactions come when we, like Jill, come to a stream that we need to drink from. 
And you're lying there. And you're willing to set us free. You're willing. And you desire to change us for your glory. I only ask, O oh Lord God, that we would be willing to allow that to happen in our lives. For us as your people, in order to become more of a dynamic witness of your power, we have to release ourselves to your care. You're good. You are our wonderful counselor. You are our mighty God. And you long to change us. So Lord God, maybe throughout this week, as we're faced with a life issue, I ask, O oh Lord God, that you would help us to say whatever you desire, O oh Lord God. Change me for your glory. And may you, O oh Lord, receive the honor and the glory and the power and dominion both now and forevermore. And then all God's people would say, Amen. You are dismissed.